Thank you, Miss. Thank you. Had an opportunity <coughs> to minister to somebody on the north side that I've known for some time. And um, his uh, man is very wealthy and of influence. And he took up friendship. We became friends about nine years ago. And uh, he uh, will we'll get together and he'll talk with me. And he had told me to begin with that uh, uh, when I first met him, he said, I don't believe in Jesus the way you do. I know you're a preacher, Jim. And, but uh, I, 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 we just connected, okay? And um, he talked to me about this past week some things. He's evidently got a terminal illness and he wants me to do his funeral. And so uh, I talked with him because I'd done the funeral of his wife also. And I believe she received Christ before she died. And um, at the end of our conversation, because he had a lot of things, because he's getting his house in order and um, trying to get things straight and all, and I talked to him about something. I told him at the end, I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a minister. And I said, I'm going to talk to you real straight. And he listened. And I said, uh, your spiritual life is most important to you. And I said, you're getting ready. If God doesn't heal you, then you'll, you'll find that out. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the only, only way to heaven. There is no other way. And he's a man that would give you the shirt off his back. And uh, he's, he's just considered me as a friend. And taken up with us and maybe it was for such a time as this and witnessing and uh, I had not he knew where I stood and I haven't talked to him about that but I said Lord it's time and he said uh, he listened to me and I said um, you know the only way is accept Christ in your heart there's no other way and he listened he said well let me tell you he said I uh, I've been receiving some devotionals from Rick Warren, who's the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, and strong. He wrote a book called The Purpose uh, Driven Life, I believe it is. And uh, he said, I'm listening, I'm, I'm reading those devotionals. And he said, you know, Jim, some of these things I don't understand. Some of them seem to be relative to, to what I'm going through and so forth. But some of the things I don't understand. And I said, you read them, because God will use that to bring you to that place. I don't know how much longer that he does have, but uh, according to what, you know, medically, I know it's n probably not long. So, like Nancy, I don't care who he sends his way. I want that man, heaven, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, I know people have to make choices, but I'm, I'm here bargaining with God and saying don't allow him to go out into eternity without Jesus Christ in his heart. And uh, I just believe he will accept Christ before and I told him, I said, you don't know this, but I said, I know I, I didn't get a chance to really talk with his wife that much because of the particular situation, but one of his, the friends that had known her for a while did, and she accepted Christ, and I said, I want you to know that, that I know the friend, I said, I don't remember his name, who witnessed to your wife before she passed, but I believe that he will do that, and again, this man is, um, is, um, has, has been very successful in life, and uh, he, he would do anything for you. But there's no other way that you're saved except through Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, all of us here, and what Nancy, all of us are, are talking about today when we see that, I pray 
that those kids that went out into eternity the other day, that they knew Jesus. And I know when you get down in, in some of the Bible belt, belt and cer certainly in South Texas and in that area, they're just they're people that were raised with that values, you know, many of them. And things have changed over the years. But they were raised in the old-fashioned way, I call and with values and so forth. And I pray that somehow that took place. But I believe God and how great he is and how merciful he is because there's all a grace and mercy in my life and all believers who've come uh, by his grace and his love is that somehow that those kids knew Christ before they went out into eternity and then also the teacher. So pray that. We're living in times that are very, very perilous. And you know, we've got to know uh, who's in us and who we are in and that is in Christ and we have the message we have uh, these treasures in these jars of clay we have the treasure the truth to be able to testify to be able to tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives no matter how difficult your life has been no matter what has taken place in your life when you've accepted Christ you know down deep in your heart that you're a child of God because the Bible says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I wanted to, we're living in a time, I believe, that we need to be watchful and, and we need to see other people that, you know, it, it, again, there's no other way. And we, Sunday school last week, talked about it. And the two places, one heaven, one hell. And I can't imagine when I reflect upon it the fact of uh, anybody that would reject Christ and knowing the free just uh, the free that is given through acceptance of Jesus Christ and knowing you're going to heaven. There are a lot of people out there that are wandering in darkness, and we're seeing that happen. And I believe that we've been called for such a time as this that to be able to share that good news of Jesus Christ with people around us. And I don't believe there's anything that God won't do if you and I will step out and we will partner with him to him allow us to speak to other people. And, you know, you think, how will that happen? Well, I didn't know. I got a call from this man this past weekend. He said, can I meet you at Starbucks? I said, yeah, we'll meet. I didn't know what was going on, but we're sitting there talking about the fact is that unless God does something, he's getting ready to go out into eternity. We will be confronted with times where we know that we've been set up by God, that there are divine appointments. Because so often this life is so tough in what we go through and, and the, the things, the day-to-day -day busyness that we go through. You know, one thing was said here, I believe, and um, just a moment ago, is I want to be in a place in my life before Jesus calls me home, and I don't know when that time will be, is that I have continual communion with the Spirit of the Lord all day, 24-7. I have times that in my life that I'm like, I haven't even thought about it, as Darcy was talking about. I haven't even thought about it. Because you get wrapped up in what you need, the day-to-day -day affairs. My heart hungers and longs for the time where I have that communion and fellowship with the Spirit of the Lord 24-7. I don't want any gaps in that fellowship because we've been made for fellowship. We've been here. God put us here for fellowship with him. And as we've learned some things on Wednesday night and depicted is that, you know, God wasn't lonely. And then he created man. He had the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. He wasn't. But he's pure love. And love gives itself away. 
And that's what he wanted. He wanted us to know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so he hungers for that fellowship with you and me. And when I don't take time to fellowship with him, and I just believe I grieve the heart of God because he's always waiting. He's a gentleman, and he won't force himself in that, in that respect. But if we'll move into that, God will meet us where we are. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. And so he wants that communion, prayer. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to have that fellowship with him. Isn't that wonderful? No other religion is like that. All other religions are, if I do enough, maybe I can make it into heaven when I get there. Our God says, no, I've paid the price. Now let's have fellowship. And that's the good news, folks. That's the good news of how great and wonderful, loving God. You know, I was listening to the preacher yesterday at the, uh, quote, royal wedding. <laughs> he was royal. They call them blue bloods. I want to see one of them. I don't want to see them bleed on purpose, obviously, but if I did, I think their blood's reds also. I don't think it's blue, but they call them blue bloods, don't they? But the preacher that was there speaking there about love, about God's love, and you know, the battle, the other side of that is the darkness, but then on this side is the love of God. God, and we have that because we have Jesus Christ in our heart. What a blessing that is. Father, bless these that have been mentioned today. We celebrate you. Remember those that we know are home with you that we'll see one day, and we will have that ultimate, great, wonderful fellowship when we're seated around the table. And Father, help us to get ready because we know that you're preparing a bride, that you're getting us all ready to be able to meet Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Turn to Psalm 84. We're going to talk about a few things, and then we'll, we'll close. I want to just mention here, because... I think it's so important to know how are you going to thrive. I, I feel sometimes like I'm, I'm treading water, you know. If you swim, you know what treading water is. But, and sometimes I'm just surviving. But how are you going to thrive in these days that we're in? And they're dark days. And I want to share with you here in Psalm 84, shared with you some years ago maybe, about this particular psalm. But I believe God is imparting something very special in the hearts of his people. And what kind of person will thrive in the days of head, ahead here? And I believe Psalm 84 gives us some insight that uh, we'll be able to follow. And it's Psalm 84, verses 1 through 12. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow nests for herself, where she may have her young and placed near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And then it says, Selah. Selah actually means stop and reflect upon this or meditate upon this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob, Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the, the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. It's made into three sections here when we look at this here, but I want to get down to a couple points that are very, very important here. As we need to learn to rest in the presence of God here. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. So what is the attraction for the house of God in this psalm? It is the fact that God dwells there. It is the presence of God in the tabernacle that makes it lovely. Now, you know, our grandson Rex, he lives there with his mother, our daughter, and our son-in-law. And I love to go to their house, okay? And I love to see my daughter and my son-in-law and my grandson. But what would happen if they weren't there? Would I enjoy it at the same amount? Or would I say, no, you know, I, I, really, I really don't. I, this structure they're in, they have a nice house and all, and that's really nice. But I want their presence there. I want them to be there. It's the same way with the Lord when we come to worship here on Sunday morning, when we gather corporately. It is the presence of the Lord. We're coming to focus on Him. We're coming to talk about Him and praise Him to encounter Him. It is the presence of the Lord that truly draws us to, the, to this particular place here. Psalm 16 says this, David said to the Lord, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's why we come together to worship every Sunday morning. We want to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Jesus promised in Matthew 18, for where two or more or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, we know God is here because he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But there's something special about when we gather together here on Sunday morning and gather in his name and focus upon him, we have one reason to be here. And it's not to show off our, our latest wardrobe. It's not necessarily the top priority that, hey, I get to see this person or that person, although all those things are okay. But the priority is, is that we've come to meet with God. Isn't that great? How lovely, how wonderful. My heart yearns and faints for the courts of the Lord. David yearned to be in the presence of God Almighty. Isn't that wonderful? You know, one of the things I've always said here and y'all know that I make a joke of it many times, is I love the fellowship lunches, lunches that we have here. And I said, I've always said that that's, that's my priority here is that y'all allow me to continue to be the, the preacher here in this church today. And I'm glad you do because I love y'all's cooking. I love all that. I love Sandra's chicken and dumplings, okay? If y'all haven't had her chicken dumplings, she's going to have to come back and fix some of those too, Sandra, okay? But what happens? Why is it that I really like that? Think about it for a minute. There's something that happens when God's people come together like that and we let our hair down, we have a meal together, we're sitting there like that. It's like the presence of the Lord just swoops in because there's love. It's like we, we don't have to be anything else. You know, we have our traditions in church where we have to sit and, and so forth and our hands down on our side and so forth. Well, when you get in the lunchroom over here at Faith Hall, 
is that we can just, hey, just shout to one another and, and say, hey, you know, isn't this great? Isn't this food great? And all these things are happening. And that fellowship does something. Something happens, and I believe God's Spirit just comes in. And that's why I love that. I love the food. Don't get me wrong. But I love that fellowship together. And that's what God is looking for when we come together, when we worship Him. But when we gather for the right reason and with the right focus, God comes and meets with us. In verse 2, we can, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, you know? He's not just wanting to go through some religious exercise. He's not interested in a dead ritual. He wants to meet with the Lord. He's saying that. And that should be the yearning of our heart also, because God changes us when we're in His presence. David said, in the presence of the Lord, it's a fullness of joy. If we've lost our joy, then you've lost a lot in your life. Then get back into the presence of the Lord. Come back and sit quietly before Him. Think about Him. Reflect upon Him. And again, let Him impart that joy of the Lord to be your strength. Because you won't make it otherwise. You'll become apathetic and you'll become weak and, and you won't be able to do what God has called you to do. Psalm 34 says, As the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. And there in Psalm 41, where David writes, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We need to thrive in that. And I want to tell you, a lot of times that we see that we, our appetite for, for more of God has diminished, and we need to go back and find out why our appetite for God has somehow diminished because we lose that. And sometimes it's sin that, that is there. We just need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Forgive me. I confess it to you. You're right. I'm agreeing with you. It's definitely sin. And then we can be restored. God Almighty will do this if we'll turn to Him. He'll give us an appetite for more of God as we come before Him. And intimacy here, we see here the sparrow was talked about, was considered the most insignificant of all birds, yet they were allowed to come in. The swallow uh, is known to be a, a restless bird, yet they found the presence of God to be a place of rest of rest for them. And when a bird is building a nest, what kind of place are they looking for? They want a safe place for their young. Even the restless swallow has found a rest in God, a place in Him where they can feel safe. You and I, too, find a place in God where we can feel safe. We're living in a time where we need to know that we can feel safe. The young people, whether it be at Santa Fe or any other place all over this world, need to find a place in God that will be, they can rest in Him and feel safe today. On TV, you notice there was one young lady, they've used her particular footage of the uh, Channel 2 News interviewing her, and she was in tears. She was one of the students that got out okay, but she probably, I think she had some friends that were also not okay. But she came out, and she's crying, and she said, this is not supposed to be happening. The schools are supposed to be a, a safe place, a place where we can come a place where none of this will happen. This is, she kept saying, this, this is not supposed to be happening. And it's not. But it's even the schools today, 
they'll probably put up metal detectors and they'll probably arm teachers and they'll do all these things and the debate will go on and on. But let me tell you, the only safe place is under the wings of our almighty mighty God. Hallelujah. The only safe place. You know, life is tough. The enemy, it seems to me that, you know, and, and God has to allow the enemy to do these things, but the enemy seems to be just wreaking havoc all over today. And that darkness, people are being deceived in many, many different ways. That young man that did this shooting, they said that he didn't want to shoot his friends because they could tell about what he did, but he shot, I guess, other people that were not his friends at all. And he acted like he had no emotional. He had a blank affect. He didn't have any emotions when we saw him talking there as he was being uh, arraigned. You're thinking, what happened? What happened with that? And somewhere along the line, the enemy got in there because this is a work of the devil. This is a work of Satan. This is satanic. And let me tell you, somewhere along the line, something happened that somehow the enemy saw this was a, uh, an instrument that he could use. And he used him and wreaked destruction. The only safe place will be in the presence of the Lord. The only place that we will have peace today. As we know, when the tribulation comes, there'll be things and we'll be raptured out. But, but before that time, I believe that God's people, I believe we will go through some tough times is that we've got to know, we've got to be secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to, to be in the presence of the Lord, understand that, and walk in that every day. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, John 15. They will have plenty of reason to praise you. It's become a part of our lifestyle here. The second thing is relying on the strength of God. In verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. You have set their hearts on pilgrimage here. They're serious about their walk with God. We've got to get serious about our work with, walk with the Lord here, not easily distracted from the real objective in life there. But certainly our purpose and our destiny need to be fulfilled in our lives as we set our hearts on pilgrimage. They've learned to draw upon God's strength rather than relying upon their own. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools there. Let me tell you, we need to go through those places and turn those bad places into good places, a place where God can come and dwell in people's lives. As we see people today ministering to those in the Santa Fe area and beyond, they're obviously passing through the Valley of Baca, and they're making it, and, and they're changing lives because of the presence of the Lord. They're changing things because they're willing to step out of their comfort zone and go and bring peace in people's hearts that have been disrupted by this horrible tragedy. You see, it's because of the presence of God. We have the presence. The Bible says that we'd be so filled that springs of living water will come from us in one way or another. And I believe that's certainly outwardly and it's expressed as we touch other people's lives and lives are changed and circumstances are changed because God's people rise up and know who they are in Christ and who he is in them. Because I believe that one time, Isaiah chapter 60, that I continue to quote, 
is going to be very relevant. Arise and shine, for your light has come, because we see the darkness coming across. But it goes on to say that kings and others will come to your brightness. People will want to know, why do you have peace in this land of turmoil? And you'll have the answer. His name is Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. We'll have the answer and be able to share that with other people. You know, we want his presence in our lives. We want his strength. We need his peace. The third thing is we need to reap the rewards of God. Verse 9, he talks about the anointed. When Christ means anointed, we are anointed. Wise, because we're in Christ. You are anointed. In verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked here. A doorkeeper is a lowly position, but life is better in that lowly position, living for God and in his favor than to have all the luxury and comfort the world has to offer. A lot of people today have a lot of things, and they don't have Jesus, and they don't know. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and we know they'll see God. Hallelujah. You know, obviously, if our delight is in the Lord and the market, market rallies, that's very nice. We get to enjoy God and maybe a few extra material things as well. If our delight is in the Lord, the market crashes and we lose our jobs or we lose things in our lives. We're not shaken because the most important thing for us is still there. And the Bible says that for the Lord is a sun and shield. He will light up our path, and he will protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy. He is my sunshine. He is my protector. In Psalm 118, the Lord is on my side, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8, Isaiah chapter 44. Thus saith the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry land. I will pour my spirit on my descendants and my blessing on their offspring. And they'll spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. One may will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel here. The bottom line is God will take care of you and yours. Trust him. Believe in him. Verse 11, for the Lord bestows favor and honor here, and he won't look with shame upon those. Good things are coming your way. If you take the path described, I believe, in Psalm 81, 84, and verse 11, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And we think about what does that mean? That means you set your heart to certainly seek after the Lord. doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But it means when my heart is focused upon God Almighty, I have a blameless heart. There's one desire that I have, and that is to be more like Jesus. And sometimes the things that come my way and some of the hardships that have come my way and the things that, that, I have, that have come against me and come against my family, I want to tell you they've been tough. But I know my God rules and reigns. Amen? My daughter, I'll share a story with you. She, uh, she's an accountant, CPA and all. And her and her husband do very well. 
uh, we thank God. And she has, she's, both of them are Christian. And she, some time ago, changed jobs. You remember me maybe asking for prayer. And it was something she didn't want to travel where she was at and so forth. Some things were happening. And so I felt like the Lord had given me a word for her, and I shared it and touched her. And uh, she kind of clung to that. She remembers what the Lord, I believe the Lord's word to her said. And um, she changed jobs. And so she's like, this is, this is of the Lord. And then she goes, comes back later, and she's working for someone that was pretty tough and just couldn't connect. You know, you've ever been in a job where you just can't connect with the person and, you know, it just, it's just not right. And, you know, you kind of like, it's not like they, they're just somebody, not a bad boss. It just, just can't connect. And she struggles with that because she likes relationships with those that she works for and with. And she just couldn't. And she was, she'd just come and talk to me about it. And I'd tell her, hang in there. I said, I believe God spoke, and I believe you're supposed to be there. You just hold on. Hang on, please. And uh, so she did. She hold, held on and, you know, and, and all. And then just out of the clear blue, this man left the company. And uh, she says, hey, guess what happened? This happened. And she's leaving the company and so forth. And now another man has come to take his place. And she really likes him. And he obviously helps and supports, and they work together and all, just what you would want your job to do. I'm saying this all to, to say, there'll be times where that you'll have that are not what you thought they would be. Things will come out of the clear blue, and all of a sudden, boom, life changes. But in those seasons of life, is God is still God. And what he's doing is bringing you through the valley of Baca. Amen? Because we're on a pilgrimage. And he's taking us through that valley. It's a valley, too. It's a valley. And I don't minimize that. But I do know when we go through there, because of the presence of Christ in our lives, is we're going to leave his fragrance, no matter what you, what, how you, you feel like you responded in the right way, no matter how bad you feel like you've struggled, no matter how bad you feel like you blew it and the response you felt like, and sometimes I'll say, Lord, that wasn't my response, really wasn't real Christ-like. But I want to read a story, and we'll close with this. <laughs> you remember Sarah here? Y'all know Sarah. <laughs> uh, and God was revealing to Abraham that he and Sarah, they were going to have a baby, right? I promise this, okay? And God gives us many promises, too. Remember that. But he promised that. And then Abraham's like, man, I'm an old man. And, and Sarah's way up in years, what, 90 or whatever, and he was 100, okay? But listen to what he says here, and this is in Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, because actually Sarah, I'll, I'll start back. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and very advanced in age, and Sarah was well past childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am so old, and my Lord is so old, also shall I have pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I surely bear a child when I am old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you, 
at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And then Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. Now, we were teaching on Wednesday night, and I'm using this because it was, it's so reflective of who God is, you know. And our teacher uh, spoke of what actually Sarah did. First of all, she laughed, didn't she? And God heard her laugh. And then she came back and lied to God, all right? Said, I didn't laugh. You know, we always say, God, I didn't do that. And God says, yeah, you did because I saw you. You know, sometimes we think we can hide from God. We can't hide from God. And Sarah goes, I didn't laugh and all. But look here as how she's recorded in the book of Hebrews, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received the ability to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Is there anything about Sarah laughing and lying here? It's recorded in Scripture. Not a word. Isn't that grace? Isn't that grace? God's grace? Great grace? You know, we blow it, don't we? We blow it bad. And yet what God records in Scripture, He doesn't even do it. The past is the past. He doesn't even bring it up against our account. That's how great a God we serve. She laughed, and then she lied. And yet what's recorded in Scripture is she believed God. You know what? I just believe if we'll hang in there, that we'll see the mighty hand of God operating in whatever circumstance that you're going through right now. I believe in Santa Fe. The circumstance is horrible, and, and the grief, because it's going to you work through it, never be the same without those kiddos. But somehow, as they stand firm, and just like that old expression after Harvey hit the whole Houston area and beyond, is Houston strong, remember? All over across the T-shirts. If you stand strong in the might of the Lord, you will see the breakthrough. You will see God come through for you. And we'll see the annals of history recorded to be a blessing to all. Amen? That's who God is. Your identity is not your position. And you will go through seasons that you don't like. Your purpose is not your provision. God is your provision. Provide. He will provide all that we need if we'll wait upon him. The problem is we don't want to wait. And we get in, just like Abraham and Sarah. They got in and began, and then Ishmael came on the scene. We will see if we can either. We've got to come to a place in, in any time of history, but certainly in this time of history, where I believe we're moving possibly to the end of the age, maybe, that if we'll wait upon the Lord and we'll trust Him, and I mean really trust Him, we'll see the mighty hand of God do something. I believe that to be true, and I know you do also. And your purpose is your pursuit. David, remember, stopped pursuing the purposes of God when he looked out his window there at Bathsheba, and he had uh, Bathsheba's husband killed and so forth. If we will continue to pursue the purposes of God, spend time in prayer, get along with the Lord, get his heart on the matters, the things that are, are on our heart, let me tell you today, you'll see your name written down in the annals of history in the way positively, just like in the book of Hebrews. That's who our God is. He's faithful. 
He's faithful. He's just, but he's faithful. Even when we're faithless, we can trust our God. Pray to him and put these matters that maybe be on, that are on your heart today and put them in the hands of God and let him work it out and wait on him. Don't get in and try to manipulate the circumstances. Wait upon him and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Behold the deliverance of the Lord. Remember what he told Moses? He stood up against the Red Sea. Behold, hold up your staff. How ridiculous does that seem? How ridiculous is man out of heaven, rain down out of heaven, all these things. How ridiculous are the five loaves and the two fishes? How ridiculous is the feeding of 4,000? 4, How ridiculous it is crossing over and speaking to the wind and to the waves. All these things. But let me tell you today, nothing is too difficult for our God. Hallelujah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Trust him. Trust him. You know what I do? I look at the circumstance and sometimes I'm like, whoa, and I, I, I just I draw back because sometimes, you know, it's severe. Our, our testing, our times that life doesn't turn out the way we thought it would be. It's not like that. But if we trust our God, one day, one day, we'll see him as he is. Hang in there. Keep your eyes on the eternal aspect of life Believe him no matter what you see happening. Trust him. Get people to pray for you. Cover you in intercessory prayer. And believe upon our God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. We long, our heart yearns for you, Lord. And Lord, we ask you that we would be given hearts to, to draw close to you. And I pray for every person in this place. I bless you in the name of Jesus, each and every one of you today. I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name with encouragement, with increased faith to believe even when everything looks like it's going the opposite way. All right, now speak that into your spirit, man. Thank you for your love, your promises, Lord. Thank you for your presence. You're here now. Thank you. And praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.